Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of you who have visited my office will have seen this figurine. It's of Merlin, that ancient wizard of Arthurian legend. In his acclaimed account of the life of King Arthur, the once and future king, T.H. White imagines Merlin as someone who experiences time backwards. Merlin knows the future. He's already lived it. This is why he's the ideal mentor for the king to be. Merlin was an inspiration for me during my time as chairman. His presence kept me focused on my vision. After all, he already knew that we would achieve it together. Jean-Pierre Blaise, June 16th, 2017. good internet you're listening to episode 126 of the syrup cast we're recording this week's episode on friday june 23rd the syrup cast is a podcast devoted to fostering intelligent and fun discussion on anything and everything related to canadian tech and the canadian telecom ecosystem on this week's uh podcast i'm joined by mobile syrup publisher and owner ian hardy how are you sir very well thank you Igor. that was a great introduction thank you thank you um we have senior uh mobile syrup reporter uh Rose Bihar. Hello. That almost made me tear up. I, I looked over at our guest and I was like, wow, that was a moment. Last but certainly not least, I'm honored to welcome to the show Christine Dobby. Christine is someone that needs no introduction if you regularly follow any news related uh, to Canada's telecom ecosystem. As a writer for the Globe and Mail, Christine covers every major telecom related announcement. She wrote, recently wrote an in-depth feature on Guy Lawrence, former CEO of Rogers, of course, which goes into some of the power politics that causes downfall. If you haven't already, you should check it out. Christine, thank you so much for joining us this week. Well, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Uh, and how are you today? I'm good, despite the disgusting humidity outside. <laughs> yeah. and Endless rain. Yes. Um, okay, so if that quote from uh, our good old friend Jean-Pierre didn't, uh, uh, didn't tip you off, the topic of today's podcast is the former commissioner. Uh, we invited Christine to the pod because we think you know, of any individual out there, she's the best suited to help us look back and contextualize the past five years of the CRTC uh, and his tenure there. Um, so I guess the best question to start is, um, with recent, what happened recently, obviously, this past uh, last week, uh, it broke as soon as we were going on last week's podcast, and that was the CRTC decided to ban locked smartphones and unlocking fees. Um so big I guess news. big news. Yeah. Uh, so, Christine, overall, what did you think of that decision and especially the timing of it? I thought it was uh, really interesting. And obviously he wanted to go out with a bit of a bang. You <laughs> yeah. know, uh, yeah. he wanted to wrap everything up. And it, it really was emblematic of his term in a way in that, you know, he really sought to be this champion of consumers. Mm-hmm. And this was a, obviously a very consumer friendly decision. And, and it was interesting I was saying to my editors, I'm like, I love this because I can actually explain this easily. Right. You know, yeah. It doesn't involve like an MVNO acronym and there's oh, no... the Wi-Fi first MVNO you know, thing was so hard right, to explain. Right. Yeah. There's no reselling of wholesale internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was very simple to understand, you know, people own their device and they want to be able to take it wherever they want. And then 
the companies charge you an extra $50 to leave and the CRTC is banning that. So it was a, a pretty, you know, simple, easy to understand thing. Made a lot of sense. I think it resonates with consumers. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a perfect way to cap off it off mm-hmm. its term in that, you know, it's great, but you know, it does, it, is it going to change the, mm-hmm. the industry? Is it going to make it more competitive? that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that was one thing that our readers were really debating in the comments. And it's a fair debate. Like, I don't think it's going to affect things very much for a lot of consumers because they're going to be waiting out their subsidy period for two years anyway. Yeah. But then once they're done that two years, they're free and off the hook in a way that previously they hadn't been. Yep. And I used to work retail a little bit and see people come in and say, okay, I'm done my contract. Um, I'm just going to, you know, like swap over to this carrier or whatever. Do you have any retention deals? Um, And then when we would tell them about the $50 fee, it it might actually hinder them. So it was a a slight hindrance. Sure, yeah. Um, And then, you know, so, so maybe it will spark a little bit of change, but like you're saying, I'm not sure how much. Right. There's also the possibility that, that then the aftermarket for selling phones will be a lot more vibrant. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's great. So you can give your kid a phone right. that you're not using anymore, mm-hmm. and they could put it on, on a discount carrier. Right, mm-hmm. that's true. Um, you know, maybe once, once Freedom Mobile's network is a bit stronger and they're a, more of a, a threat to the carriers, you could see the lack of the unlocking yep. policy being more mm-hmm. beneficial. Well, that was a really interesting, I was reading in your article, you were saying that Freedom Mobile didn't actually advocate for fully doing away with unlocking fees. Is that correct? Right. And I have to admit, I wasn't following the testimony at the wireless hearing yeah. carefully. Um, I might have been working on the Guy Lawrence piece. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, totally. For whatever reason, I might have also just been on holiday. But, but you know, they did say it was something that they you know, they, they famously, famously in the Canadian yeah, tech yeah, world, so famously called it toxic revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they would have been happy to sort of phase it out in a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think that they're going to be too, um, upset with this decision. No, I feel like it's a boon for them. I feel yeah. like that's something that's really going to be that will, uh, you know, for places like freedom in particular, yeah. do a little bit uh, to to gain some business, so I think particularly once they actually have um, Apple and the iPhone uh, working on their network, even even if you know Apple isn't officially working with them yet, but once Apple works on the the band of their LTE network, yep. and the big three have customers who you know have unlocked devices, Freedom can just say you know hop on over to our network. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, Apple hasn't made such a device yet, but mm. but that would be another. Um, you know, another deterrent or non-deterrent to, to switching over. Yeah. So um, you mentioned the toxic revenue quote. And at the end of the day, this is still revenue that they now all the carriers have to make up for. Um, uh, starting with you, Ian, do you see is this kind of like a situation where we see uh, like it was with the move from three year to two year contracts where consumers end up uh, paying more out of pocket for these devices and for the plans. Uh, I think I think the carriers only made like thirty-seven million dollars last year. Is that yeah. what the yeah. number was? Only thirty-seven. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So 30, 37 million dollars in a billion, a few billion exactly, dollar market. Exactly. Yeah. Right? It's nice. actually a twenty-two point five billion dollar market. Twenty-two point five yeah. billion. So thirty thirty-seven million dollars from one little 
slice of the pie. It's not a lot, but it's still something. Mm-hmm. So where where are they going to make that extra revenue up? They have to account for that. Uh, That's a they, new house for Ed Rogers. Probably will be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have to make it up. So how, how are they going to make it up? They're going to have probably some sort of new fee of some sort, perhaps. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Like you said, it's not a huge amount in terms of relative. Um, they're not going to be under huge pressure to make up that revenue. I think it was more useful to them to prevent people from switching mm-hmm. and keeping churn lower. But, um, you know, it, it's not the same as the switch from three-year to two-year contracts. Right. Where that, was a, that was a much bigger amount that they needed to recoup over a certain period of time. And there's nothing to stop them from inflating prices. But it, it's going to be hard to tell whether it's the regular inflation of prices or yeah, whether it's that's a good it's related to this fee, which not every consumer would pay, obviously. Like right. a lot of people would just right. stay with that carrier indefinitely. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like they had a stronger argument with the going from three-year to two-year plans to increase the prices as well. Um, because I remember when I was working, you know, you could kind of, you could say to the consumer, well, the, you know, the added cost of the device has to go somewhere. And they'd be like, well, I guess that's true. Right. Um, but now like with the unlocking that's not something that they ever had a very good reason for doing right i mean they made these arguments about it was a you know customer service rep time and right. there yeah. was this code that they needed to mm-hmm. get and everything but mm-hmm. but i think i don't think I don't, anyone would say that that's worth 50 dollars yeah. mm-hmm. so so for everyday people like people that are not us who cover this who knows what unlocking is do you think canadians way west in Alberta or BC or up north do they care about unlocking a phone? Is it, is it something that is on top of their mind? Do they care about a $50 charge? I think when they go to switch, like Rose was saying, when they say I'm, I'm off contract and want to move and, and there's that, it's just another unpleasant interaction with your <laughs> with your telecom yeah. provider. It's probably a good thing for the industry to get rid of it. You know, they're so focused on trying to improve customer service that this seems like a pretty obvious thing. When they're all forced to do it at once, mm-hmm. then you know, I think it, I think I'm sure this isn't top of mind for a lot of people. But when you do have that experience, it's just one more thing that makes you hate your carrier. Which is December first, right? Coming up, December first. Yeah. 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 And um, there were other changes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was the most recent, but I think it's fair to say that, um, Jean-Pierre has been prolific during his career. Um, so next I'd like to hear, you know, if we were to compile the greatest hits as it were of his, uh, tenure at, uh, the CRTC, what, what is the moment that stands out for you? Starting with you, Rose. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think the probably just the one, just okay, one I mean, I'll just pick one and yeah. I'll just say the, um, the decision on differential pricing just really mm-hmm. made me proud to be a Canadian and to be mm-hmm. in this, you know, uh, Canadian wireless market um, because it's something that, you know, the U.S. is going the opposite direction on. Ajit Pai, the chairman of the FCC, definitely he, he uh, called net neutrality mistake <laughs> and uh, even spoke at the Canadian Telecom Summit over video just talking about his uh, light touch attitude towards regulation but i was really proud that um our country would do something to make sure that net neutrality uh is is important here and is enforced here um so with the with the uh new rules enforcing what can be uh differentially priced and and what cannot be 
and sort of very strictly saying that uh, you know you can't treat customers differently in many respects and you can't treat uh, companies differently in many respects. Mm -hmm. Christine? I was thinking back on this at sort of what was a defining moment for him and I, I would actually go all the way back to sort of the beginning of his term. Uh, this was something that my colleague James Bradshaw and I wrote about in our profile of, of Blay last fall. Um, when he, he um, the first Bell Astral hearing, so Bell was trying to acquire Astral Media, mm -hmm. and this the first hearing came up within like a hundred days of his him starting, and he came out with a bang, right? He wanted to, he sort of took on George Cope, the CEO of Bell, who I don't think was expecting the kind of treatment that he got at that hearing. Um, you know, he really he brought up consumer concerns about it, and he really he pushed him to prove to the commission that this was good for consumers and for Canadians. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, this isn't a negotiation. This is, you have to prove this to us. And he, this is kind of one of the first times that he brought up this trio that he likes to refer to of, um, of Canadians in terms of three C's, uh, consumers, creators, and citizens. So it's uh, okay. pretty, pretty high-minded, but yeah. he comes back to this time and time again. And then they ended up... Um, uh, rejecting the deal, and this was a it was a big surprise at the time. Bell had to Bell was furious. You know, they made a lot of angry comments at the time, and they had to go back and rework it and agree to some divestitures. Mm -hmm. So, why I think this is a defining moment is it's he, he's coming out with this sort of pro Canadian consumer mm -hmm. agenda, mm -hmm. and at the same time, it also set a tone for for the relationship with industry. In particular, Bell. You know, as as probably your, most of your listeners know, the CRTC was kind of at odds with Bell mm -hmm. for a lot of his term. There were several incidents. You know, the mobile TV decision. Yep. They they yeah. overturned that, and um, or sorry, they basically shut down Bell's product. Mm -hmm. Bell appealed that to the federal court. They lost. There was the fiber to the home ruling, which mm -hmm. really disproportionately affects Bell because uh, the the third party internet reseller market is really prevalent in Eastern Canada, mm -hmm. and it's being phased in there first as well. So it doesn't affect TELUS as much. So this is really a kind of direct hit on Bell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Bell took that to the cabinet, lost. Uh, there's the Kevin Krull affair, yeah. um, which I could explain more, but I don't think I need to. And mm -hmm. and of course, there's the Super Bowl yeah. same sub decision, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I and people in the industry, not even from Bell, will, will privately tell you that they thought that that was pretty unfair to Bell. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. You know, yeah. because yeah. it interrupted a commercial relationship, a contractual relationship with the NFL. And mm -hmm. and it was it was only one part of the sim sub system. It wasn't an overhaul of the system as a mm -hmm. whole. Um, so anyways, I, I think that that sort of the Bell Astral, if you go back to that, it kind of sets the tone for a lot of his term. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, there was plenty in there. Sorry that, about that. that, no, that, 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 that. No, that was amazing because it just tells the scope of what he's done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For one particular com company. Yeah, but I mean, I, th I think that, that that relationship with Bell... It was the most tense with Bell, but it, it, it bled over into the others, and they yeah. they all had to kind of decide how to manage him mm -hmm. in in a way that they weren't used to. Right, from uh, Conrad von yeah. Finkelstein. Yeah, <laughs> who was a character? Like he him. was, but he was, um, by most accounts, the industry saw him as more reasonable than Blay. Yeah. I remember him at the telecom summit years and years ago. The last one, he goes basically, "I'm done. I'm leaving." Yeah, <laughs> which was intense then too. So I think my my. Uh, most memorable take takeaway was the three year to two two year because Canadians, based on what we cover, Canadians for years wanted that because they saw the states. We want two year contracts. 
lower subsidies. So it came to three years to two years. Everyone loved it. Prices in, increased, which was not good for the consumer right. at the end result. Um, but that, that was my biggest take takeaway for us right, from yeah. what we cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so when you when people look back at his tenure, do you think they'll look back at it positively, negatively, or somewhat with mixed feelings? And I think, and I guess I should clarify that, I guess certain people will look at it differently than other right, people. Yeah. Bell, I'm sure, was popping the champagne on June 16th, <laughs> right? So, uh, Rose, do you want to get us started again? Yeah, I mean, I was at the regulatory blockbuster at the Canadian Telecom Summit this year, and it was uh interesting to see Bell, Tallison, Rogers, uh, executives all talk about Blaze at, at the end, particularly, and say that they, they uh, the Greg O'Brien asked the question at the end, the moderator, he was like, uh, so, you know, what were your last thoughts on Jean-Pierre Blay? And then nobody said anything. Yeah. And then I think it was, uh, yes, it was David Watt from Rogers who said, oh, he certainly was prolific. And that right. was like, that was it. Nobody was going to say anything else. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not stupid. They know that they have to yeah. deal, continue to deal with the regulator in general. And yeah. you know, I don't think they don't want to look like they're celebrating right. somebody leaving. And I did hear somebody else in the industry say that, um, that the way that Blaze did things was unpleasant, um, in their opinion. Like he mm-hmm. did the right things, but the way that he did them was very abrasive or whatnot. Um, but you know, to my mind, I think he, it's rare to find somebody with that much passion in a government position just sort of really feeling like it's their calling to change things. So I, in my mind, he, he, uh, he was a great chairman, and so I'll remember him well. If I can just yeah interlude quickly, it was always fascinating reading transcripts from hearings because he always had the like it was he would be great on a podcast because he would just have all the hot takes he would just jump on people like you know ask them to prove themselves and so he it was always like what is normally a very dry thing to do is to read a transcript they always made them entertaining for for me anyway so yeah Yeah. he had this very funny way he said he said this quite a bit that he would say something that he clearly didn't like and then he would just say pity (laughs) just sort of let it hang there but yeah he was he was entertaining to watch in the hearings for sure (laughs) his his outgoing message that he had on his last statement yeah there were so many hot takes on that Mm -hmm. i've done what i said out to do canadians need to adapt the industry needs to adapt i want to apologize yeah i want to apologize yeah which is really a a different way to communicate things especially from a regulator I think he's going to miss the limelight when he's gone. He's probably going to go work at some law firm doing something. Well, he actually, he's on leave from the federal government from, he was an ADM, an assistant deputy minister, um, I think at the treasury board before he was appointed. So he actually technically can go back to a role of that level. And I think he only has a few more years before he's eligible for his pension. So. He said he's taking the summer off and uh, <laughs> setting yeah. off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. So to return to the question, looking back at his tenure, how will people look back at it? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that for sure it'll be a mixed legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Michael Geist wrote a blog post um, this week or last week about how Blay really put broadband at the center of what he did. And he made good strides in, in a number of areas. Um, you know, the, the fiber to the home ruling. And he recently 
or last fall, he cut the interim rates that the that the third party re- resellers, tech savvies of the world, have to pay to Bell and Rogers, and that is was a controversial move, and the big companies are pretty mad about it. But but he did he did all these things to try and and make broadband a real priority. Um, you know, the the basic service obligation hearing was a pretty significant ruling. Uh, there are there are places though that he didn't go as far as people would yeah. have liked to see. Like they didn't man, and it's not you know. This is sort of him as the head of the CRTC. You know, he wasn't the only one making these decisions, and there's a lot of staff input that goes into this. But, you know, the CRTC didn't mandate MVNO access, which is sort of the, the parallel of what they've done on the on the wireline side. They didn't go that far on, on wireless. Um, so, there, you know, there's some some places where he might have gone farther from from that perspective. And then on the on the industry side, I think that, you know, even people like Michael Geist would say he, you know, he took things too personally and he made he made um public comments that were were not really befitting somebody in that role, you know, the the yachts and helicopters comment where he said CEOs come to these hearings, CEOs who own yachts and helicopters come to our hearings asking for for handouts kind of thing. Um you know, even if he thinks those kinds of things, <laughs> to say those kinds of things yeah. p- publicly is really not appropriate when you're when you're a regulator, and everyone who comes before you is, suppo- is supposed to right. be entitled to a fair hearing. But showing sure. some bias, yeah, right, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And there was obviously the Raj Shone issue yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a really messy situation at the CRTC, and you know, Blay Blay had been criticized by a federal court for for his role in that. Mm. Um, yeah, so. You know, pluses and minuses. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. I think he also, he really did try to put consumers at, at the front of the CRTC. And, and even some in, in the industry would say that was a good thing because there's a growing awareness that the industry needs to treat customers better. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the average Canadian still feels like they, you know, engage with the CRTC or even knows yeah. what they do. Right. So, I mean, one of the par- his parting comments was like, the CRTC is an institution that Canadians can now trust. Right. Do you, like, does that ring true? I don't think that most Canadians spend a lot of time thinking yeah. about the CRTC. If they do, they probably think, why can't I watch that? That U.S. Netflix show, which isn't even what the CRTC does, uh, yeah. But or you know, I think they have a misguided idea of what the CRTC does. Mm. I'm not sure, actually. I think um, I know when I worked at telecoms, like the when we were talking about now, they're they're two year, not three year contracts. Um, we would always generally say, well, and that's because the CRTC mandated that, or we can't do this because the government won't let us. Yeah. You know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I think that consumers do appreciate being protected in that respect because they know that the telecoms or they have had experiences with telecoms that have been predatory in the past. So they're looking for somebody to protect them. Mm -hmm. 
And mm -hmm. if they're, you know, if they're the CRTC is mentioned, then they, they sort of grab onto that and say, well, I guess they are looking out for my interest. So I think I, I think maybe they know a little bit more about the CRTC than we might think. Yeah, I think it. it sorry to interrupt. It, I think it has become more. Uh, it has a higher public profile than it than it might have a few years ago. And groups like Open Media and and just Twitter in general help with those kinds of things. Um, I think the major frustration Canadians have is telephone, <laughs> cell phone and internet prices. And the CRTC doesn't actually regulate retail rates. Um, and they're also hindered in a way because they don't have full control of telecom policy. They, they don't control spectrum. Industry Canada does. So right. they can't fully control the market. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think that most people, when they see high cell phone prices, think, oh, why isn't the CRTC fixing this? Mm -hmm. I, th I, I think there's somewhat confusion about what the CRTC does, especially now with the CCTS yeah. here. Because people want to complain, they don't know who to complain to, they get frustrated that they don't know where to go. Yeah. Is it the CRTC? Is it this governing body by all the carriers? Yeah. Where do they go? So, um, the, like the other day I was reading some comments and someone said the CRTC shouldn't exist any longer. They should just abolish it. Right, and those comments will often say, but we need more competition. Yeah. 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 So. And, and, yeah. And, and lower rates. Right. And cell phones are free. Also, data is free. Yeah. Um, so I guess moving forward, um, who do you think will replace uh, Blay? Um, and you know, where does the CRTC go from here? I think they have a lot of challenges ahead of them, especially now that uh, when uh, IC dropped this bomb that they want them to relook the uh, the uh, Sugar Mobile decision. Um, it seems like you know, and I think the big three are probably now much like. They feel empowered now that he's gone. Now that now it feels like it's their chance to take back some of the um, ground they lost. In in terms of who might replace him, I mean, there was a name that was rumored was Kelly Gillis. Uh, she was a an ADM, I think, at um, at Industry Can or I said um, she also previously was in charge of Spectrum there, and she ran the seven hundred auction, which was incredibly complicated. But for whatever reason, I mean, the, the government has not appointed her at this point. Uh, it's still possible she might be. Um, but th that's the main name that, that I'd heard that people had been talking about. Um, and now we're, you know, we've got this four-month term with Judith LaRock. And it's also heading into the summer. Not much gets done or decided in Ottawa. And it's a pretty, it's it's a tough job to fill. It's, um, yeah. you know, you the government has started this open and transparent appointment process and they're having trouble filling a lot of jobs not just the crtc jobs i think they're looking for these ideal candidates that don't that exist don't maybe exist as, yeah. and don't maybe want that job you know right. it's um what do you do after that job you're conflicted out of a lot of, of a lot of other work if you take on that job mid-career say in your 40s or early 50s mm -hmm. then you might be limiting what you can do afterwards so for somebody who's really ambitious perhaps in the public service it might be kind of an end to a career yeah well it was funny i, I saw in your article you said uh, or one of your previous articles about uh, jean-pierre blay judith larocque said that she yeah. wouldn't want the job right she told us she that is. in the interview yeah. she's yeah. like i mean she's not taking it forever and and i right. think that um that she's she's officially I think retired and if she stays for too long she puts her own pension okay. potentially at risk. Yeah. Oh really? Wow. That, that might be. Oh. Yeah. 
Does yeah. does the I'm all for Canadian for hiring Canadian. Does the CRTC role the chairman have or chairwoman have to be employed by a Canadian, or can they outsource it from another country? Import. From That's another. interesting. I'd never considered that. I don't think that they would. Yeah, because um, they need to speak French and English, obviously. Yeah, so you got to speak French and English. You're probably not going to be from industry, even though there's some people who would argue maybe we need someone from industry who knows it well. Mm-hmm. Right. But you probably like so it it you almost the pool is so narrow. It almost demands somebody yeah. from the public service, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you know, do they have telecom expertise or do they have broadcast expertise? Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a, it's really not an easy job to fill. And I, I definitely get the sense the government doesn't want to fill this with a white male mm-hmm. um, who's towards the end of his career. So it's hard to find somebody who isn't that mm-hmm. uh, to fill the job. Um, so speaking, like, why not? Do you think Blay was just done with the job at this point? He didn't want to continue it because like, it seems. You know, the best case scenario in some situations would have been like, could you stay on longer while we conduct a more thorough search? Right. Yeah. I think he might have had a sense that um, that the government wasn't going to reappoint him or extend mm-hmm. his term. Um, you know, there was there were things like the Raj Shone stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this the it got to a point where it's sort of this public, weird, embarrassing thing for the heritage yep. ministry. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jolie had to fire Raj Shone twice, or didn't have to, <laughs> yeah. but did. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, became a pretty messy situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also, you know, he's made all these pretty dramatic public statements, um, mm-hmm. and some and some of them he's been critical of the government. Obviously, in his last speech, he was quite critical. He clearly knew he was going out at that point. Yeah. But even if you go back to the the talk broadband hearing last April, he came in. Do you remember the second week of that hearing? He he did this unusual thing where he started off with a, a speech and he said, you know, we've all decided that that broadband is vital. Let's stop talking about that. We need to figure out the solution. And he accused the government of not having a coherent strategy on broadband. Wow, yeah. Um, you know, he 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 said some pretty contentious things about the government. So he might have had mm-hmm. a sense that he that mm-hmm. he wasn't going to get yeah. get the job again. And he clearly made an effort to to get through a bunch of major decisions before he mm-hmm. left. So I think he felt like he'd wrapped up most of his work. Yeah. Got it, the last word. Yeah. It almost it was almost like watching the end of the Obama administration again. Yeah. In this kind of like Canadian context. Right? Flurry of executive orders. Yeah. 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 Um so um sorry, I'm just yeah, right. Um the one thing I did want to know uh kind of provide for our readers is some context into, you know, why it's taking so long to uh, fill some of these positions. Obviously, it's not just that uh, we need a new head commissioner. We need also a commissioner in two, uh, two territories, right, Ontario and then Manitoba. Um, and you kind of alluded to it, but could you provide more context into why it's taking, why it's taking so long to f- fill some of these positions? Sure. Yeah. So the Liberals brought in this new um, new approach to government appointments. I think there's about 1,300 or 1,500 government appointees throughout the government who are named by cabinet. And so they wanted to make it open and transparent. Um, and this, like I said, the process, it, it's they kind of have an idea of what their candidate should look like in mind, but that person might not exist. So there's um, there's actually a number of agencies um, across uh, commissions and regulators across the government um, that 
that have roles that need to be filled. There's been a lot of reporting on this by some of the the um, political reporters in Ottawa about all these vacancies, and a lot of those vacancies are actually in um, in bodies that are supposed to kind of keep an eye on the government itself, <laughs> like the ethics commissioner and um, a number of I, I can't remember all of the names off the top of my head, but it's a number of pretty key right. mm-hmm. government watchdog roles. Um, and then there's, yeah, there's the CRGC where they've been missing a vice chair broadcast since November 2015. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they have like, I think five or maybe even, maybe six um, commissioners right now. It, it, so it, They're it, stretched thin. Yeah. yeah. And they, they actually, you know, when they, they posted the job in January, they extended the deadline a couple times. Mm-hmm. Wow. Either they weren't getting enough applications or they weren't getting the type, of the type thing, that yeah. they wanted. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, who approves the uh, employment of those people, though? So it would, for the CHC commissioner, our chairman and commissioners, uh, it's the heritage minister. So Melanie Jolie. But um, I understand that Navdeep Baines, who's um, you know, Minister of Innovation, uh, would have possibly have some input in it as well. And then ultimately, I think cabinet has to approve it. I'm not sure that they have to, but um, it is a cabinet appointee role. Yeah. So like if we just have no lead, no like appointed chair and just kind of a more of a stopgap measure with Judith LaRock, how much do you think they'll be able to do over the next year? Like, what do you think? Because we do have, I mean, for instance, coming up in the next year is the decision on that Wi-Fi first sort of MDNO stuff. So, Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the big one that the government basically just threw over to them again. Because other than that, they're, you know, they're working on some some important things like figuring out how to roll out that broadband fund. Um, Mm -hmm. And they still need to finalize wholesale wireless rates and finalize the rates right. on um, wholesale internet as well. Yep. But yeah, so all of a sudden they have this this MBNO thing. That's that's a big that's a big thing. It's a big thing. It doesn't seem like they'll have enough time or people to consider it properly. And I, I think that that's something they'll have to have a public hearing yeah. on as well. Right. So yeah, and they only have a year to do it. <laughs> It's going to be a crunch in CRTC time. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's also the 600 spectrum, too. Right. Right, which is, that's under the control of ISAD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So CRTC has a pretty limited role in mm-hmm. that. But, but yeah, there's there's stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It's also not the first time they've had an interim chair. Like, in between Conrad um, and JP, mm-hmm. uh, Leonard Katz was okay. the interim chair for, I think, six months. So... It's not unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean they're not going to function. Right. Mm-hmm. And things do slow down in the summer either, right. either way. Right. But it's not ideal. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've been following the site this week, I put out a post where I asked uh, our readers to send submit some questions. Uh, we got They were great, very excited. They were very excited. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to clarify, I don't work for the CRTC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, who is this CRTC person? <laughs> Christine Dobby is the new head of the CRTC. You heard it here. <laughs> not accountable for their decisions. Uh, okay. Um, so um, I guess I'll just read one. Um, <clears throat> The question is, why do we allow for differential regional pricing on monthly cellular plans? For example, the cellular plans offered in Quebec and Manitoba were amongst the best and cheapest in Canada. Eight and ten, eight and ten gigabyte plans for around $55 per month. If you're a regional provider, for example, Videotron, operating in a specific geographical region, then I can understand. But if you're a national telco, 
for example, one of the big three operating across the country, your prices should be consistent for every Canadian so that all Canadians can benefit. Um, who wants to take a stab at this one? Obviously, not looking for like a super comprehensive answer because, you know, I think, uh, as we said, most people assume that someone from the CRTC was coming to answer these questions. <laughs> so um, well, we can't provide you those answers. I'm well, sorry. Igor, Canada is very vast and diverse. And we like to... <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> that is the new... typical PR answer. Yeah. Canada's big. We have to have pricing that suits the, the regional carriers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a fascinating idea. Like, it would be an interesting little singular rule that you could institute to change things. But um, I don't think it would it would ever fly. I mean, the idea is the those those plans are low because they have that fourth carrier option mm-hmm. videotron or sastel in saskatchewan or mts while it was more independent in uh, manitoba but uh you know it, it's not possible without without that competition to drive those prices down um i still think it's an interesting idea but but I guess it just would never make it past. <laughs> yeah, like Anyone? I said, the CRTC doesn't actually regulate rates. So what they've—it's this regulatory world word called "forborn from regulating the rates," um, and they've—they've they've said that the they have never made a, a finding that the that the the retail market is uncompetitive. However, in Blaze's final speech, I think one of the most interesting things he said was that. It may be that his predecessor, his successor, sorry, right, yeah, needs to take action, more, um, more interventionist action on the market, yeah. and may need to do something like regulate rates or mandate MVNO yep. access, because yeah, you don't see different rates unless unless there's a strong competitor in a region. Mm-hmm. So it really is a question of the market structure, which. The CRTC is not fully responsible for the the government has a role to play in their spectrum policy, so yeah, I mean, but but regulating retail rates would be a huge, huge yeah, change huge, to the market, yeah. um, and it it really might not end up in a place that people are happy with. If you know, if we have a fully, we, we it's supposed to be right. a free market in Canada, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have a fully regulated market, quality could go down. That's obviously the argument that yeah. that carriers would make. So yeah, it's it's a frustrating it's a frustrating issue for people, and maybe maybe the MVNO thing would help promote more competition, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. could help um, even if even if the sort of top line prices for the carriers remain the same, there could be more options at a lower level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the second question we had, and it was related to the decision that was made last week, um, is and it, uh, it is uh, while the device unlocking ruling is being heralded. Testimony from carriers during the CRTC's hearings about the reasons for unlock fees didn't seem very coherent or vigorous. For example, labor, database upkeep. Is it possible the carriers sought to concede on unlock fees in return for favorable rulings on other topics? This strikes me as a very hard thing to make a judgment on just because, I mean, I feel like some of their... The reasoning is not really knowable in some sense, right? Like they're keeping it pretty close to their chest. But what is your take on that? I think, I mean, it, it is true that to lose the unlocking fee revenue is not the hugest hit that mm-hmm. they could take. Um, but it, it, like Christine says, it's also true that the CRTC wasn't ready yet to really make any bigger steps towards things like regulating prices or 
regulating MVNOs. So um, I don't know that there was any sort of uh, back backhanded dealings or like you know them taking a hit. Um, and I I I think it may also be a situation where it's just kind of hard to justify unlocking fees. And sometimes it's it's a strategy that the regulatory lawyers will take is to mm-hmm. to be reasonable on things where they see that they might lose. Mm-hmm. You know, if the writing's on the wall, you don't have to fight everything to the death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's just speculation on my part, but um, I, it's not, I don't see the CRTC as a place where you're sort of trading off decision for decision. Yeah. You know, Blaze also gone. There's no, you know, there's no promise that they'll get a favorable ruling on something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's pretty unlikely, but um, they might just not have fought it too hard because they might have seen that it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. All right. So on that note, um, so Christine, let me just, uh, we have a tradition here, which is we do a shout out, um, which is it can be anything from a podcast you're listening to, to a book or someone. Um, So we'll get Rose and Ian to do theirs first. So you can think of yours. Uh, Rose, do you want to start us off? Um, I guess what's top of my mind is this new 5G trial that uh, TELUS and Huawei just did. Um, which is interesting because uh, it is based off of uh, 3GBP standards, and 3GBP is this industry standards group that is, uh, you know, for the global uh, advancements of 5G technology. So it is very much more based off of the real standards of 5G than a lot of other 5G trials have been so far. Um, and that is happening in Burnaby, BC. So they say that uh, people in Vancouver and Burnaby may see 5G a little bit uh, more quickly than others because they're they're doing all of their research there. And Huawei is also doing a lot of uh, research in other parts of Canada as well, which I find interesting mm-hmm. um, for a Chinese company to be really focusing its research on 5G here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just has a lot of the, the brightest minds here, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, check that out. It's an article on the site. Ian? Uh, I'd like to shout out BetaKit, uh, our sister site, BetaKit. Mm-hmm. They had, um, for those who are not familiar with BetaKit, BetaKit uh, is a site dedicated to innovation and startups in Canada. Uh, they had the BetaKit 150 yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a packed event, one-day event on in- innovation. Tons of speakers were there. It was a really, really Fantastic great to see uh, the community come together. So shout out to Douglas and uh, Jessica, Megan, Amira, um, everyone who uh, was uh, Mitra. part of Amitra, <laughs> uh, part of BetaKit. It was uh, it was it was amazing to see that come together. Mm-hmm. I don't have a very telecom related one, but uh, that's, that's totally okay. fine. And Igor it, always does books. I <laughs> usually do Tim Tim Hortons. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> An interesting um, development this week in the business Canadian business world was Warren Buffett's fund investing in home capital. Um, and some of my colleagues at the Globe and Mail actually got to interview him yesterday, oh, cool. which was which was pretty cool. So they had uh, James Bradshaw and I think Andy Willis, who's a columnist for us. They they were the ones who actually interviewed him. But they had a bunch of reporters in a room on speakerphone, kind of listening in because because Warren Buffett is is I think about eighty five years old. So this might be a rare chance yeah. where you get to kind of speak with a, a legend of sorts yeah mm-hmm. so that was that was kind of an interesting sorry non-telecom mm-hmm. development but go read james's story it's pretty interesting how warren buffett got tipped off to uh 
to investing in home capital in Canada. It was actually an 82-year-old former banker from, from RBC wow. sent, him a, <laughs> sent him an email saying, you should check this out. That's and, so cool. And he did, and he invested a bunch of money in it. So it's, it's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my shout out goes to Rose. For my birthday, she got me uh, Norwegian Wood by Murakami. I've been really enjoying it so far. Um, and I haven't really uh, taken to his previous books, but this one hits just the right spot. Um, where, can everyone f- uh, where can everyone find you, Christine, on the internet? Uh, my Twitter handle is pretty good. It's Christine Dobby. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, that is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, got in there early before all the Dobby Elf things popped up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and email me at the cdobby at the globe mail at globeandmail.com mm-hmm. yeah. just a reminder she does not work for the crtc right. that's right <laughs> don't ask for any regulations or I mean, anything like that yeah. she won't be able to do it yeah. yeah ian where can people find you uh sitting at my desk with the tim hortons that's true that's true rose how about yourself Oh, I'm at Rose Bahar on Twitter, mm-hmm. and um, you can also find Mobile Syrup at Mobile Syrup on Twitter, and at Mobile Syrup on Instagram, mm-hmm. and Mobile Syrup on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Christine, thank you again so much for joining us. That was so illuminating. I felt like I learned so much. Um, and please come back uh, because we'd love to have another CRTC focused uh, podcast in the future. Thanks. It was great to to chat with you guys. Thanks for having me. And on that note, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.